<laughs> Almost got it. <laughs> Praise God. That's okay. This will, this will, we can still make this happen. All right, y'all. So, as you can see this rope, that'll be fine, Mr. Floyd. It's okay. See this rope? There's this red part on here, but then there's all the rest of this. Uh, and Minister Floyd has a lot more. There's probably about 100 feet of rope right here. But this red piece represents our lives. The rest of this represents eternity. So, you know, we spend a lot of time in this part. Can't wait till I become a teenager. Can't wait till I turn 18. Can't wait till I become 21. Can't wait till I get out of the house. Can't wait till I go to college. Can't wait till I get my first car, my driver's license. Can't wait. We go through all of these things and we spend a lot of time in this area. But we're only going to be on this earth for a short period of time. And that's what this represents. But eternity is a long time. So my question to you tonight is, are you focusing on this? Are you preparing for this? Because this is forever. You know, I looked it up today. There's a, um, a guy in Indonesia, and they say he's 145 years old. And uh, they said he's probably long, uh, the oldest living man alive right now. There was somebody, a lady who was like 122. But even at 145 years old, it still does not compare to eternity. Most people, you know, nowadays people live, you know, in their 90s. Some people a little less, but, you know, a lot of people are in their 90s. They're, they're living life. But no matter how long we live on this earth, it does not and will never, ever equate to how long we will live in eternity. Now, as you know, we can, we can live in eternity one or two places, and it's up to us. If we're a Christian, we'll live in heaven. If we're not, we're the person that's not is going to go to hell. That's the facts. So the first thing we have to do in, prepare, in preparation, if we want to go to heaven, is we have to make sure that we're saved, right? So that's number one. And um, so let me ask you this. If I were to say to you for the next 24 hours, Quinette, if I said you have for the next 24 hours, um, whatever you do for the next 24 hours will determine 
what happens or how you spend eternity. So you got 24 hours. How would you spend your life? What would you do differently? What would you continue to do? How important would those 24 hours be to you to make sure you were able to spend eternity and how you spend eternity? And so sometimes we take our lives and we equate it to time as we know it. But I don't know about you, but I can't even really fathom what does eternity, what is that? Is it 10 million years? Is it 100 million years? All I know is it's forever. And forever is a long time, right? But my life on this earth, if Jesus comes back, then I'll just, you know, be caught up and go with him to heaven. If not, I'm going to do like anybody else before me. I'm going to die. This body's going to die. And I'm going to go to heaven that way. Either way, I'm getting to heaven. Right? Okay? But there, is a, there could be a time, unless Jesus comes back, there's, I only have so much time to live on this earth. No matter how well I eat, no matter how much I exercise, no matter how smart I am, no matter what I do, our bodies are not going, these bodies are not going to live forever, right? Okay. Now, um, one of the things, let me read this to you. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he made this quote. He said, if you read history, you will find that Christians, that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. So the people who did, you know, that we can look at and say, oh, you know, like Smith Wigglesworth, that would be an example. He did the most in, on the earth, the most in this world, but he was heavenly minded. Right? And then he said that it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So when we don't think about eternity and we focus just on this life, we are not as effective as we can be. And for many reasons, and we don't have time to go through all those right now, but we'll, we'll get to some of them. So let me read you a scripture, because you're probably saying, well, can you give me a scripture? Look at 1 John chapter 2, and while you're looking there, Heavenly Father, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you, Father God, that this time that I have, that you speak through me, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the great teacher and so that he speaks through me. He ministers your word and your grace to your people. Father God, I thank you that you help us to grasp what you would have us to understand tonight. Thank you for granting us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. 
that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints and what is that exceeding greatness of that power that's at work in us. Father God, the same power that you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, Father God, but also in that which is to come. Thank you that you've given him to be head over all things to the church, over us, Father God. Thank you, Father God, that you've given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. So are you at 1 John chapter 2? Okay, we're going to look at verse 15. It says, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So you see here that, you know, John is encouraging us, don't be in love with this world. You know, it's kind of like when I go to a hotel I know that's only temporary. So, you know, I might, most times I'll hang up stuff because I don't want to have to iron it. So I may hang up some clothes. But even though they have like dresser drawers in there, most of them, I don't put my stuff in there. I pretty much, you know, just work out of my suitcase. Why? Because it's temporary. I'm not going to make that my home. You know, when my husband and I lived in an apartment, Yes, I wanted my apartment to be clean, I, you know, because that was our home at that time. But I didn't go into doing, you know, all the decorating and things like that that I would do if it was my own. Because it wasn't mine. And it's the same thing in this world. We are citizens of heaven, according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. We're citizens of heaven. This is not our home. We have a a heavenly home. Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. So, yes, we live here. Yes, we function here. Yes, we, God wants us to, you know, have the best, live the best, drive the best, you know, wear the best, eat the best. He wants all of those things for us, but that's not to be our focus that's not to be what we are are living for you know we shouldn't be like the world who that's what they live for you know that's their whole thing what's the next toy I can get you know what's the newest car I can get uh what promotion can I get you know where can I go traveling and all these things and and again God's not opposed to those things But he's saying, don't be in love with that stuff because that stuff fades. The car gets old, right? The clothes get old. You got to get some new ones. Are you, you know, you may, 
they may not fit anymore. You know, so I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. So these things are just temporary things. And so God is saying, don't be in love with that stuff. I know you need it, but don't be in love with that. Don't let your mind be so occupied with attaining those things because in the end, nobody, none of us, if we leave this earth before Jesus comes back, none of us are going to have a, a, a U-Haul behind us, right? None of us are going to be able to take any of this stuff with us, none of us. It just is not going to happen. Your favorite ring, your favorite pair of shoes, you know, those red bottom shoes, ladies, you know, whatever. You, you can't take that with you. In Hebrews chapter 13, um, verse 14, it says this. This is, again, it's a New Living Translation. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So... Here, again, we see this is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Praise God. You know, I like my house, but I'm sure it does not compare to what God is is preparing for me in heaven. Not at all. Not even close. Praise the Lord. Um, so the way we live this life really will determine how we spend eternity. And I'm not even going to be able to get close to some of the stuff that I want to talk about in that, but um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, It says this, I'm going to read this from the New King James first. It says, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad. So here we see that, um, once again, Paul is writing and he's saying, you know, we're confident, you know, it's well pleasing to be, to, to, to rather to be absent from the body, you know, to be in heaven is better, he's saying, than to be on this earth. But he's saying the thing is, whether we're in heaven right? Or whether we're here, the most important thing is that we please God. So when we're living our lives, our lives should be such that we're pleasing the Father, that we're pleasing God. He, he, 
we, I'll put it this way, we cannot do anything that will make God love us more. Nothing. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you more. Nothing. But there are things that you can do that will please him. Amen? Those of you that are parents, you love your children no matter what, right? But when they do things that please you, that's totally different. Because whether little Johnny is bad, being bad, I should say because he's not bad. Whether he's being bad, acting out something he shouldn't be acting out, or whether he's acting and being well-behaved. Either way, you're going to love him. But when little Johnny goes in his room and cleans his room up and you didn't have to ask him, that pleases you, right? So it doesn't change your love either way. But he pleased you. Amen? And that's how God is like, there's, I love you. I've already demonstrated my love. I've already sent my son. I so love the world. I gave my only begotten son. So I'm, I've demonstrated my love for you. And I love you with an everlasting love. You're the apple of my eye. And we can go, you know, there, there's so many things where God talks about how much he cares for us. And none of it has to do with us. It's all him. It's all that he's done. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful that, you know, God doesn't love us based on what we do or what we don't do? He loves us because he is love. God is love. That's all he knows is love. But yet and still, we can please him with the way that we live. Um, Of course, it also says here that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So there, there is a reward for pleasing God. There is a reward for living righteous. There is a reward for living um, with eternity in mind. There is a reward for that. And, you know, when you have um, a perspective, like I remember when I, was, when I was a teenager, there were certain things that I just wouldn't do because I would think about my mom. I would think about how it would affect her, how it would make her feel. And so I, I, I wouldn't do certain things. So my love for her affected my actions. My love for God, my love for the things of God affect my actions. You know, um, people have said to me, well, well, why don't, you know, some people, I, I won't say who, but people have said to me, well, you know, why don't you drink? Now you, can, you know, you can just have a little drink. 
But my conviction is I don't do that. Not because I can't, because, you know, I have a free will, so I could. But because I love God, because I've seen what drinking does to people and how it destroys families and how it messes up people's bodies and all that, my conviction is I don't do that. So when it comes to pleasing God, I'm not going to commit adultery because that's sin. So I'm not going to do that by the grace of God. I'm not going to be displeasing to God in that way. I love him too much. So how I think of God, how my relationship with God, how I'm thinking about eternity affects my actions. We're believing for 3,000 souls. Well, those 3,000 souls will be people that go to heaven. Right? Well, my actions, my love for God, my thinking about eternity, me thinking more eternity than my own um, perspective, my own comfort, my own fears, my own concerns. I'm thinking, well, if they, if they don't hear about Jesus, they're not going to make it to heaven. And they're going to go to hell. And they're going to spend, instead of spending eternity with Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in hell. So it has, you see what I'm saying? It, it makes me stop and think, so I, my actions... are changed, are they're inspired, or there is a conviction that comes to me because of me being eternally minded. Thinking not just about what's going on here, because all this stuff is going to burn up anyway. But heaven, eternity, forever, is a long time. And I don't want, I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody to be in hell for eternity. So, do you see when you're eternity-minded, how it puts things in perspective? You know, it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll talk to them tomorrow or another day. But tomorrow may not be promised to them. And they'll slip into eternity without Jesus in their heart. Praise God. Like I said, there's a lot of good stuff about what I have to say, what I believe the Holy Ghost has to say, I should say. But this is, this is reality, church. 
Are we going to be more concerned about here? This little span of life, our little red part? Or are we going to think about eternity? 